They're not walking in rejoicing. But they look to the Lord from whence their salvation cometh. So two groups. One group in expectation, the other group in desperation. The main purpose of my message today is a simple one. And that is to draw forth your faith. To encourage you to step out in faith. To take hold of the promise of God that through his grace you will have faith. Because that faith is a building block for your character. That faith is a building block for revival in Katoomba. Now, without that faith, nothing will be achieved. Nothing will happen today. Nothing will happen this morning. Nothing will happen in your life in the following week. Nothing will happen in the way of revival without that faith. So are you with me in taking that step of faith? Amen. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm going to give you as much of the word of God as I can. Okay? And all I ask in return is that you're prepared to step off that precipice, from go from the known to the unknown, and step forth in faith. Whether you came here in expectation or whether you came here in desperation. We want to see your faith raised. Now, who's seen the movie Alice in Wonderland? Who's read the book? Oh, good on you. God bless you. So one of, one of the f- most favourite expressions of the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland was off with his head, off with his head. So that's a, a light way of introducing a heavyweight topic. So we're going to talk about the seed of David. David is the seed of Abraham, who was the seed of Adam, who was the seed of God. From the time of Adam, however, there's been enmity between Satan and the descendants of Adam and Eve. God's word says in Genesis 3.15... And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What's remarkable about this verse? What's remarkable about it? It's called the Proto-Evangelium. It's the first gospel it's the first gospel what's going to happen is the head of Satan is going to be crushed and in doing so the Messiah will bruise his heel but this is early in the Bible so it's God's intention right from the get go to provide a way out to give us 
a taste of the gospel. Genesis 3.15, it begins there, right after the fall of Adam and Eve. So we're not left alone, destitute as orphans with no hope. We're given a hope, an early hope, in Genesis 3.15. Do you see that? This is in the heart of the Father. Okay, guys, you've messed up. You've listened to the serpent. You've eaten of the, the fruit of the tree of good knowledge, uh, knowledge of good and evil, and you've messed up. However, I'm providing a way out and a way forward. Now, the consequence of the fall is that through Satan in the garden, Adam lost his headship of creation. Everything was put under his dominion. But because of his disobedience, he lost headship. So Jesus, the seed of Adam, of David, and the last Adam, decapitated Satan at the cross and through the power of his resurrection, bound and slayed the strong man Satan, the Goliath of the Philistines. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the prince of this world will be cast out. John 12, 31. And if you've got your Bibles there, flick over to Jude one twenty five for a little bit more depth to that uh, verse. So a snake without a head should be dead and powerless. The word says the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. But it turns out that snakes can still attack even an hour or so after they've been beheaded. And so while Satan has been mortally wounded, he is still dangerous. The word says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now going back to David and Goliath, we know that David slew the strong man. He slew the hero of the Philistines. He was their best bet. He was big. He was mighty. He was strong. Lived on wheat bix probably. <laughs> he was an iron man. But what happened? A shepherd boy, a shepherd boy, ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Similarly, Jesus has cut off the power of Satan. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Only someone even stronger. There is no impairment. There is no deficit. There is no shortfall. 
There is no shortcoming in the totality of Jesus' victory over Satan. And it happens in three ways. Firstly, it happened on the cross. Secondly, when Jesus returns, Satan will be cast down into the pit. And finally, Satan and all his angels will be cast into the lake of fire. So that's pretty complete. Be in no doubt that Jesus' victory over Satan is complete. What relevance is that to you? Yep. Because he's like a roaring lion, prowling around looking for someone to devour. So while we know that Satan's been defeated, Satan is still active in our lives. But Jesus, through his total victory, has beaten Satan and made that victory available to whom? To whom? To us. To us. Is that exciting? It's relevant, it's exciting, and it's empowering. And you will need to stand on that victory every day. Because every step you take forward with Jesus, Satan will be seeking to pull you back. You get baptised in the Holy Ghost and start speaking in tongues. What happens? You come under attack. You witness to someone about Jesus. You share the gospel. What happens? You come under attack. But even though it is inevitable, if we're faithful to God, that we will come under attack, we have the victory of Jesus to stand on. Just as everything, as with everything else, Jesus shares that victory with us. He shares that victory with us. So Jesus crushed the serpent's head while bruising his own heel. The bruised heel indicates the personal cost to Jesus in securing his victory over sin, the world and the devil. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. But while Satan is in a sense the head of this world, he doesn't have the authority of headship over all things like Jesus does. Jesus says of Satan in John 8.44 that he is both a liar and a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what? He was still struck down. So what? He still had his head cut off. And so what? That victory is ours in Jesus. But let's, let's go back to this notion of seed. 
David, while having a heart for the Lord, David, the same person who cut off the head of Goliath. He could dance in exaltation and in the spirit, but he was also a carnal person. King David lived in a state of carnality when he committed adultery and murder. When David tried to hide his sin, he covered it up until Nathan the prophet confronted him. King David and the beautiful Bathsheba's adulterous love risked David's throne, his country, and even the wrath of God. David sowed corrupt seed with Bathsheba. And so, unless the carnality of the believer is cut off through the cross, we can't bear spiritual fruit. If we live in a carnal fashion, we will produce carnal fruit. But if we live according to the Spirit, what sort of fruit will we produce? Spiritual fruit. An example of a spiritual fruit is joy. Amen. Amen. So we, we can expect to see evidence of our obedience to God's word in living in the spirit through the production of spiritual fruit. If we see carnal fruit, then we know we need to do some work. So we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. In other words, what should be abundantly obvious in our lives is the work of grace, the work of the gospel, not the letter of the law, because we've been set free. And whoever Jesus sets free is... Free indeed. Is... Free indeed. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Headship is lordship worked out in the corporate life of God's people. Submission to the headship of Christ incarnates the New Testament reality is that Jesus, that Jesus is not only Lord of the lives of women and men, he is also master of the church. Satan is not master of the church. In Christ, Satan is not our master. Jesus' head will never be removed or supplanted. If Jesus is not head, then something is wrong. So I would encourage you to test my words to test the words of people in this church to verify that in fact they reflect the headship of Jesus that they reflect the headship of Jesus but at the end of the day we can see that the work of the cross also seeks to remove the dominance of the head in an intellectual sense. Before we have any kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit, 
before we are born again, it is ourselves that are seated on the throne of our lives. It is our head, it is our intellect that we use to process truth, to interpret reality, to interpret God, to interpret God's word. However, when we live by the Spirit, we allow our born-again Spirit and the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Word of God to interpret life, to interpret truth. In fact, to bring us truth. And when we have truth, the truth will set us free. free. And whomsoever Jesus sets free will be free indeed. So you have freedom to exercise faith this morning. You have freedom to flex the muscles of your spirit to reach out beyond the constraints of everyday life. That Jesus is here to meet you. That the Holy Spirit is here to minister to you. There's no doubt in God's word that this is so. So I would encourage you to open your hearts, to reach out in faith, to move beyond the mediocre, to go beyond being lukewarm, to being red hot on fire for Jesus. Now our head can sometimes rule our hearts, but Christ must rule both. So he's Lord of all in this world and also in our lives. The Spirit must dominate our life by both God's Holy Spirit and our regenerated inner personal spirit. Unless that regeneration occurs, we cannot know God. It's impossible. And how does that regeneration occur? Is it through my personal effort? No. Yep. Baptism is a part of it. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. So it's grace and grace alone that saves us. Praise God. It's grace. Grace is abundant, abundantly available to us this morning. God's mercy is abundantly available to us this morning because that's his heart. If you're experiencing brokenness, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you're experiencing brokenness, climb on the altar of love and give yourself over to Jesus. If you're sitting here in triumph and victory, then give him thanks for securing that triumph and victory in your lives and go a step further. Go a step further. Don't hold back. Go a step further. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in, in step with the Spirit. Now, a bit about my own experience. And thanks, Brandon, for keeping up with um, the message. That's great. Excellent. No, two thumbs. Two thumbs. I grew up as an intellectual, controlling, highly critical perfectionist. My mind became my chief survival tool. And I sought to fit God into my mind, in other words, to know the world and to know people 
through my intellect, not my heart or my spirit. I held on to things through the power of my mind and could not let God's spirit lead me. But gradually and painfully, the Lord taught me to stop relying on my own understanding and to trust in him. Now that walk for me has been fearful. I have experienced so much anxiety and fear in learning how to let go and let God. I don't know how it is for you, but it's, it's just broken my heart at times to pursue that struggle because it's brought me to an, a literal end of myself where I had no map, I had no will, I had no strength, I had no ability to go forward. But God brought me to a place where the only way forward was in him. And I thank him for that. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now this is the word of the living God. It is not to be doubted but it is to be tested. So put his word to the test in your life and you will find, as I have, that he will make your, your path straight. It probably won't be the path that you choose. It probably won't be a path that is easy. It'll be a path like his path in ministry on this earth that entailed suffering and heartache. Because it's through that suffering that we produce the character of Christ. And what use is the character of Christ? There is no point in trying to convert someone unless you have been converted. There is no point in trying to talk to someone about God unless they can see the character of God in you. If they sense gentleness, if they sense meekness, if they sense a heart of love and compassion, then they will have a taste of what it's like to be in relationship with the living God. True? That's a big challenge. So I now understand that my flesh is weak, but my spirit is strong. So I'm not running around like a headless chicken. I'm living like a spirit warrior because the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And so we've got to go forward in battle to take on these powers and principalities in the confidence that they've been defeated at the cross, in the confidence that Jesus has risen from the dead and in the confidence that Jesus shares his victory with us. So in submission to God, I consider all things, including my intellect, of the flesh, flesh here meaning the unregenerated person, inferior to the spirit of God and inferior to the intuitive spirit, the scripture-inspired human born-again spirit. 
Previously, my head was my Lord, and now it isn't by the grace of God. My intellect and powers of reason work fine, but they operate under the Lordship of Jesus. So like Paul, I have a thorn in my flesh, my mental health, but since I know that Jesus has cut off the head of Satan, I walk in victory. So it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. So, the challenge. Let us walk in the spirit, not according to the flesh. So if we walk in the spirit, we'll see the fruit of the spirit. It's a guaranteed equation. Walk in the spirit, we'll see the fruit of the spirit. And let us follow the spirit-inspired word of God. Don't count the word of God as a collection of fairy tales and folklore because it's not. One of the things that the world will do is seek to undermine your reliance and respect for God's word. It'll do it either through science or through persecution, but there will be a direct challenge on your relationship with the word of God from the world. Let us seek to submit our flesh to the spirit. Let us take up our cross every day and follow him. The the cross is a place of death. We can't have resurrection without the death. let us present ourselves as a living sacrifice each day wholly acceptable to God you present yourself as a living sacrifice his word says he will not reject you you present yourself as a living sacrifice that's all you have to do but in order to do that you have to overcome the promptings of the world In order to do that, you have to overcome the reasoning, the arguments of your mind. Because your mind, just like the, uh, just like Satan is at enmity with us, our mind is at odds with uh, our spirit. If you try to understand God's word with your mind, you can do it to a certain extent, but without preeminently and in the first instance approaching God's word with your spirit, your mind will be fruitless. Let us seek to be filled with a superabundant overflowing of the Holy Spirit, not just in half measure but in full measure. A superabundant overflowing so that the Spirit of God can't be contained in our lives. The Spirit of God spills out. The Spirit of God flows 
from our lives into the lives of others like living water. It's the water that if you taste it, you will never thirst again. If you can bring someone to that fountain of living water, they'll never thirst again. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness because they shall be filled. And let us pursue the enemy with the authority of the Spirit so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I'd like to encourage you and to uh, participate in this prayer that I've put together based on scripture. It's really just scripture strung together. So let us just repeat together. I have not been deprived of any gift and I'm expecting the revelation of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. When Christ, who is my life, appears, I will also appear with him in glory. I have as fully as any others those spiritual gifts which will sustain me and enable me to wait for the second visible appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, not with fear or with impatience, but with a calm trustfulness. I too will be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So I trust that you've heard God's word this morning. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I pray that your faith has been activated, that your faith has been uh, supercharged both to interact and receive God's grace and mercy this morning in church, but also to go forth and claim the victory of Jesus over the strong man, just like David had that victory over Goliath you should be able to step forward and have the victory over Satan in your life in the coming weeks. Are you looking forward to that? Are you intimidated by Satan? Not really. In all things, you're a conqueror. In all things, you're an overcomer. In the power and strength of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who is coming soon. Thank you. that you have a strong man in your life that you're dealing with, and second of all, to allow yourself to recognize that Jesus has the victory and what he did on the cross was final and absolute, and being able to take that strong man in your life, whatever it is, and turn it over to Jesus and put it under the cross and put your cares over on him and let him lead and direct your life through the Spirit 
it's a challenge. And we should all be looking at that thing, kind of like what I was talking about, about what's God highlighting in your life, looking at that thing that God is pointing to and saying, what needs to be changed? What strong man? What thing is coming up against me? Where is the devil trying to, you know, distract me or lead me down a path that isn't being led by the Spirit? And really put that over on Jesus and say, Jesus, help me with this. Help me put this under the blood. Help me put this under the cross. Help me to be led by the Spirit. All right, so thank you, Michael, for that word. I appreciate it. So uh, we'll pray, and then we'll eat, because it's so frequently. It's nice. Yes, hear me? For the meal, and then we'll dismiss. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you in your presence, in your place this morning. And Thank you, Lord, for the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives and just being able to rely on you, Holy Spirit, to lead and direct and guide us and to see the fruits of the Spirit manifest out in our lives. And We just thank you, Lord, for this service. We thank you, Lord, that it says where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're there in their midst and that you're here walking among us today and just leading, directing, and guiding us. And we thank you, Lord, for the meal that we're about to eat. We thank you, Lord, that it blesses and nourishes our body. We thank you, Lord, that with this meal goes along uh, with the fellowship and being able to connect uh, with each other and encourage each other. Uh, like it says in the Bibles, that as the last days draw near, that we should often get together and encourage each other and build ourselves up. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, Peter and Jackie Cipollone, the ministry that they bring when they bring this food. It's not just a meal that's being eaten, but it, what it represents that this is a family church that grows together in the things of the Lord. And we thank you that you bless the Cipollone household and uh, their hands that they've prepared this meal for us. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen.